Welcome to the Charlotte Shields Coaching Podcast. I have real answers from real spouses of how to uplevel your marriage, even if you've lost hope. You can be the spouse you want to be, and you'll feel appreciated, cared for, and desired again. Let's create your marriage miracle. It's simple, but not easy. Nothing worth having ever is. Stick around to learn what it takes to create the marriage you've always dreamed of. Hop right in. Terry Warner was a neighbor and a family friend. My oldest sister and his daughter, Alice, were best friends until she passed away. Terry wrote an amazing book called Bonds That Make Us Free, and it's healing our relationships coming to ourselves. I highly recommend it. He was a professor at BYU, and in fact, Stephen Covey was one of his students. In 1996, he gave a talk at BYU called Honest simple, solid, and true. It's still very applicable today and is worth looking up and reading. He said that this letter was written to him from a woman whose father had been emotionally neglectful and whose husband turned out to be much the same way. When she tried to talk to her husband about why he was distant, he said it was because she was always angry. This angered her even more. And she told him that she was only angry because of his lack of love, which made him feel inclined to withdraw. They had gotten themselves encircled in the bands of death and the chains of hell. She went to the mountains alone, intent upon reading one of the contemporary self-help books. She wrote, I began to feel more and more deprived until I felt such a huge longing that I could hardly breathe. I decided to write all of this down for my husband to read and enumerate the many times I had felt emotionally deprived. I began to write furiously to pour it all out onto the paper. The longer I wrote, the more I began to have a feeling come over me that I was, what I was writing was false. The feeling continued growing until I could no longer squelch it. And I knew intuitively that the feeling was coming from God, that he was telling me that I was writing what I was writing was false. How could it be false? I asked angrily. I lived it. I know it was there because I saw it and I felt it. How could it be false? But the feeling became so powerful and overwhelming that I could no longer deny that it or it or fight against it. So I tore up the pages I had written, threw myself down on my knees and began to pray saying, if it is false, show me how it can be false. And then a voice spoke to my mind and said, if you had come unto me, it all would have been different. I was astounded. I went to church. I read the scriptures often. I prayed pretty regularly. I tried to obey the commandments. What do you mean come unto you? I wondered. And then into my mind flashed pictures of me wanting to do things my own way. My holding grudges of not forgiving, of not loving as God loved us. I had wanted my husband to pay for my emotional suffering. I had not let go of the past and had not loved God with all my heart. I loved my own willful self more. I was aghast. I suddenly realized that I was responsible for my own suffering. For if I had really come unto him as I outwardly thought I had done, it all would have been different. As that horrible truth settled over me, I realized why the pages I had written of my suffering had been false. I had allowed it to happen by not truly coming unto God. 
That day I repented of not loving God, of not loving my husband, of blaming, of finding fault, of thinking that others were responsible for my misery. I returned home, but I did not mention this to my husband or anything of what I had had transpired, but I gave up blaming, knowing that I was in large part responsible for the state of our relationship. And I tried to come into God with full purpose of heart. I prayed more earnestly and I listened to his spirit. I read my scriptures and I tried to come to know him better. Two months passed and one morning my husband awoke and turned to me in bed and said, you know, we find fault too much with each other. I am never going to find fault with my wife again. I was flabbergasted for he had never admitted he had done anything wrong in our relationship. He did stop finding fault and he began to compliment me and show me sweet kindness. It was as if an icy glass wall between us had melted away. Almost overnight, our relationship became warm and sweet. Three years have passed and still continues to be warmer and happier. We care deeply about one another and share ideas and thoughts and feelings, something we had not done for the first 16 years of marriage. This letter reminded me so much of my journey and those of many of my clients who take the courageous step to see the truth, to take a look at the stories we've been telling ourselves for years in a more objective way. Doing this changed my life in marriage and it also changed this woman's. I had the same awakening as this woman did. My experience was more subtle instead of all happening at once like it did for her. She got her answers through revelation from God. My revelation from God was to learn the secular tools of life coaching and start practicing them. And I was told that they would help me see clearly. Both methods work and will eventually lead to the same place. This woman and I arrived. The past week, I went on a walk with my sister up the canyon, and we had the best discussion about receiving revelation. Last month, during another walk, she'd been in a tailspin about her identity. You must know that this sister is just has a superpower, and it is her ability to be super positive and upbeat all the time. And she rarely ever is hard on herself or others. So I had never quite seen her in this spot of a self-rejection. She'd been working intensely on trying to get better at receiving revelation, and it seemed all her efforts backfired. I know what a true seeker she is, and I couldn't understand why she was struggling so much. She felt really stuck and low for weeks, and she seemed to me like she was just beaten down. This past week, she went to the temple all day long one day. She just sacrificed, made that sacrifice, And she did ordinance after ordinance in the temple. She got a revelation that Satan was trying to beat her down much like the revelation I got when my husband and I decided to separate Satan was planting all these seeds of doubt and rejection. She also was surprised to receive a loving reproof that she needed to repent for thinking so many negative thoughts about herself. They were false. She had not been seeing herself as God sees her. This is a more common experience than we might realize. I've recognized a pattern. When we discover a true principle that will make a difference in our lives and we start to implement it, Satan gets worried. When we get a glimpse or even start to see the grand design of our divine potential, Satan freaks out. This threatens his work. He loves to keep you down. Think what happened to Adam and Eve or Moses or Jesus or Joseph Smith. 
as soon as they called on God and had something really big that they needed to begin doing, who was the first to show up? Satan. He threw everything he could at them to stop them from being the amazing influence for good that they would be. He uses the same tactics with each of us. He knows our greatest weaknesses and he preys on them. He knows the self-defeating thoughts that keep us or have kept us from our potential and playing small for so long. After all, he really is the one who planted them there. When Satan recognizes that we are experiencing God's love, truth, and acceptance, and that we're figuring out our true identity, he knows we will start to be a force for good. And the impact is going to be amazing that we can have on others as well. We can become powerful beyond measure. He realizes his lies won't hold us back anymore or take us down. And he hates that. I had my own experience with hopelessness and fear when I started doing this work. Part of my strength came in believing and practicing with conviction this thought. I'm not going to let Satan win. He's not going to beat me. You and I already helped to fight and beat Satan in the pre-existence. We beat him once. With God's help, we can beat him again. No question. We all know God is going to win in the end. When we are on God's side and have faith in him, we are on the winning side. We have a term in life coaching training called the river of misery. It's the space between where clients are and where they can be and are striving to be. To get through the river of misery successfully, we must start doing the work to see the truth, like the lady did in the story I just shared. That's what it looks like. This is when Satan starts to lose his grip and God gains his hold on our hearts and our minds. We all have wounds. I have a theory that the longer the wounds have afflicted us, whether self-inflicted or inflicted by others, the more patience we need to with forgiveness and repentance. I've worked through most of my deep wounds and every once in a while, something will come up and God will remind me of one thing that I need to process or a situation. Most of the time I've done the thought work. Like I feel like I've forgiven um, and done work around forgiveness, but often the healing isn't complete because I haven't allowed the emotions. And once I process the emotions and figure out what I was feeling, then the healing is finished. But I can honestly say that doing this work for many years, I am in a wonderful, clean place most of the time. If you are just starting this work, referring to the most challenging situations of your life, give yourself lots of compassion and grace. Be patient and kind to yourself. This is a process. Know that it's God's grace that ultimately heals. You love, let him do the fixing. There's no rush. There's no deadline for the healing to be done. Healing will come. It's on God's timeline, not yours. So with that said, since I've worked through a lot of my stuff, what I find now is that the most of my repentance comes in the form of daily challenges that aren't really a big deal. If I take care of them when they happen, they are no big deal. If I don't repent or forgive, they fester and take mental and emotional energy from me and they become a bigger deal. I don't allow myself to do that anymore as much. I mean, I try really hard not to, it's not worth it. I made up a phrase that I use all the time, rapid repentance, fast forgiveness. 
It reminds me of who I want to be. To be clear and to relate this to my marriage, when I had trauma and extremely difficult circumstances in my marriage, the rapid repentance and vast forgiveness would not have worked. Some wounds and hurt have occurred over long periods of time. Imagine a huge open wound. And then just imagine a scratch. Truthfully gauge how big and deep your wounds are. The deeper the wound, the longer it takes to repent and forgive. It's not possible to jump to rapid repentance and fast forgiveness for most of us. And if we do, if we're able to do that, well, from these really extremely difficult situations, it's a gift from God. But once you have done that hard work of healing from your deep wounds and being patient, you're prepared for the concept of rapid repentance and fast forgiveness. It feels so much better and you feel so much better. I am so grateful for rapid repentance and fast forgiveness. And I'm going to give you an example. The other morning, I asked my son a question as I was making him breakfast. He asked me a question back three times in a row defensively. I took offense. I told him I just asked him a simple question and I was sorry it bothered him so much. He said, I didn't get what he was saying. I repeated back what he'd said to me and he said, I didn't say it like that. Does this happen to you? Misunderstanding in communication with family members. It's small and kind of stupid, but it drives a wedge. My model looked like this. So my C line was, I'm making breakfast for my son. The T line is he is mad at me for a simple question is what I was thinking. My feeling was hurt. And in my action line, the thing that I was doing was in my head, I was accusing him. I also said the sentence back to him in an unkind way. I became easily offended. I didn't keep my mouth shut. I didn't let it go. I handed him his food really hastily. And I got out of the kitchen as soon as I could. So what I created was disconnection and we were both offended. So I go into my room and I start looking at a model for showing me my part in this conflict. And so the C line would be the same. I always put the same C line, which is I was making breakfast for my son. And my thought was I got easily offended. And my feeling was recognition. Like, Hmm. My action line was when I drove him to the bus stop, I apologized and I didn't hold on to it all day. And I moved on. So my result from rapid repentance, fast forgiveness was we connected and he gave me a smile and said, thanks when he got out of the car and I used the atonement to heal and strengthen my relationships. That means so much to me in the past. I never saw my part in any contention. I would have thought this kid is in a bad mood. This getting up before seven for middle school is going to be so rough. I'm going to have a long year with him. He is so easily offended. Notice how I'm judging him for what I'm doing too. That's what we normally do. And all I'm trying to do is just show care and concern. So do you see how easy it is to tell stories that feel completely true? I used to be a master of being martyred and making the other person into the perpetrator in my head. I was especially good at doing this in my marriage. The model is my favorite tool for self-examination. It's quick. I love this formula to simply show me the truth of the situation. In these cases of little disagreements or misunderstandings, the very easiest answer is rapid repentance. 
I give myself at most 15 minutes to wallow. And then I apologize. I just get it over with. In the beginning of doing this work, it cost me so much. It about killed me to admit being in the wrong. I had big fights in my head about how the other person should be apologizing first, or if I apologize, they should apologize too. Now, like everything I've practiced, it's gotten easier and easier. When I am quick to repent, most people are fast to forgive. If not, it's okay. I am being who I want to be. That really is all that matters. I don't need anyone to apologize. My son didn't. I don't have expectations around that anymore. If I don't get an apology, I think a thought that helps me feel forgiveness towards the other person and I move on. In the past, I would have held on to this interaction with my son all day. I would have eventually seen a small part that I'd played in it, and I would beat myself up in my head all day about what a bad mother I was and how I needed to do better. I would have told myself things like, you are old you're older than he is. You need to be the mature one in this relationship, or you should be acting more Christ-like. What was really cool is that when I went to my bedroom after having left the kitchen and humbly asked to see my part in this interaction, Heavenly Father gave me my apology. He reminded me that a couple days previous, my son had had an issue with a friend on the bus. I got another mom's opinion whose son was an observer of the situation, and I had the impression to teach my son the lesson Christ taught um, about not being easily offended. In Corinthians in the Bible, we're reading, you know, this week about that one godlike attribute is to not be easily provoked or offended. My apology to my son was, I'm sorry that I was easily offended this morning. I was doing what I told you not to do with your friend on the bus. I used to teach my kids all sorts of lessons like this, but I didn't see how I had a beam in my own eye. It was pretty neat to recognize and acknowledge that I was guilty of the same thing I was trying to teach him and acknowledge it, that this daily process of self-examination helps me to be a little bit better every day. I get why President Nelson introduced the concept of daily repentance. I understand how it's possible. Do you want to see yourself as God sees you? Do you want to get to the work of becoming the best version of yourself? Do you want to take a look at what's going on and why you act the way you do. Do you want to see your difficult relationships as they really are the truth in them? Some can figure this out on their own through revelation from God, like this woman that I read the story of, but I needed the life coaching principles and coaching in the beginning. It was impossible for me to work through this mess in my own brain. I needed help from a coach. If you're ready for a change and need help, I can't wait to help you go to charlotteshieldscoaching.com and sign up for eight weeks of coaching. Many of my clients only need eight weeks to completely change their life and marriage for good. I have a bonus for anyone who signs up for my eight week package during the month of September, 2023. All who sign up for coaching this month will get my 30 marriage videos and my workbook for free. You also get my bonus videos. And that's 30 interactive classes and coaching sessions with real people, real clients, where you can watch these clients take their marriage to a healthy new level. You will have lifetime access to all 60 videos and can watch at your convenience. These videos contain every belief I practiced and implemented implemented to fix my marriage. 
You don't need your spouse to sign up for coaching, but if they're willing, hop on the calls together. You'll progress faster as a couple. But if your spouse isn't on board, it's fine. I fixed my marriage by being coached myself. My husband didn't get coached. Much like the woman in this story that Terry Warner shared, when I started to see the truth and felt differently and changed my heart and my mind, my husband felt it and he changed his heart and his mind. In relationships, you only need one person who is willing to change and the ball starts rolling. As always, thanks for being here today. Remember to seek and expect miracles. As you acknowledge what God is doing for you, he will bless you more and more, and you will see his hand all the time in your life. All right, guys, we'll see you next week. Thanks for being here.